Trouble with Transformation, a serialized podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 5 Beware of Strangers Bearing Cookies. As you may have figured out by now, Bottlenose Beach isn't exactly a rich tapestry of culinary delights. If Sicilian lemon muffins are hard to come by, you're going to be hard pressed to get your hands on a six course Asian Australian fusion experience. Expectations set. You'll have to take my word for it that the annual Global Cultures excursion to the Golden Crab Claw, our local Chinese place, is about as exciting as it gets. Everyone was buzzing, including me, but for all the wrong reasons. The sudden appearance of Mr Bell on top of that strange note from the beach was sending the tingles into overdrive. Where's the food? If they make us wait any longer, I'll have to scoff the lot. Brian, by comparison, was untroubled and focused on what he did best, making mischief. He'd somehow acquired a foil pie case and rubber band and was now fashioning some sort of rudimentary slingshot. Watching his sturdy fingers threading rubber through foil, I couldn't help but be mesmerised. His face wore such a beautiful, contented expression as he worked away, like one of those sleeping baby photos people love so much. How could such a shameless reprobate appear so angelic? As though sensing my inner conflict, Brian turned, gave me a quick kiss on the cheek, then resumed work on his weaponry. Flutters started up in my belly, ones I quickly tamped down. Sure he was beautiful. He was also a top-of-the-range jerk. Wasn't I in enough of a mess already? My fingers absentmindedly picked at the worn vinyl seat as I studied him through side eyes. Somehow I had to figure out a way to safely tiptoe out of this twisted excuse for a relationship he and I had going. What's eating you today? You've been very quiet. It's creeping me out. Brian flashed me a razor-sharp smile, then aimed his newly fashioned slingshot at the nearest overhead lantern. He launched a pea-sized piece of balled-up napkin and struck his target, raining down speckles of dust from the red and gold paper. I raised my eyes to the ceiling. You'd better not rip any of those lanterns. Mrs Ling will have you minced for spring rolls. About time they spruced up the place, I'd say. Besides, he gestured at my picking fingers, at least I'm not tearing the place apart. I glanced down at my hands, then sat on them. Ugh, this place is so boring. Brian fired off three more shots in quick succession. He sent our end of the table into a frenzy when he hit the lantern above Sean O'Grady a.k.a. B. O'Grady, Beau Grady for short, due to Sean's late discovery of deodorant. He jumped about a foot in the air when an inch-long dust bunny tumbled into his collar. Even I cracked a smile. Chill, Brian, Etta Fisher said, delivering a playful blow to his upper arm. These people are not used to feeding such a large crowd. Introducing Etta Fisher, one half of the Fisher twins who were technically my two best girlfriends. I say technically because anyone who knew the Fisher twins really knew them. Also knew they had a tendency to align themselves with the most influential person of the junior school. Somehow, at that moment in time, the most influential person happened to be me. Having the twins' allegiance didn't mean they still wouldn't try to land the odd barb when they could. Etta knew the links were our family friends. The links have done much bigger do's than this, I said, bristling. We had Cat's 21 again party here, 
and that wasn't small. Believe me, I did the invitations. Maybe it's your order holding them up, Etty, Erica Fisher said, referring to Etta's recent conversion to vegetarianism. They're probably not used to cooking that stuff that you asked them for. She screwed up her face and rolled her tongue. Ugh. I'm free to make my own choices, Eri, Etta replied with a flick of her white gold hair. And you are free to pick your little chicken wings to the bone. I turned away, leaving the fishes to thrash it out between themselves, and found myself nose to nose with Danny. He had a pair of chopsticks tucked under his top lip. Rah! he growled through his saber-toothed grin. I snorted. You fool! A crackle and fizz drowned out the room. Saved from certain mauling. Here comes the food. The Ling's special brand of honey, vinegar and spice-infused oil wafted through the air. It reminded me of boisterous nights with Cat and the Lings, mixing cocktails, mostly mocktails for me, mostly, and playing mahjong. I knew from experience the food the Lings served in their restaurant was heavier and less delicately spiced than the dishes from our parties, but the smell still wrapped around me like a cosy, protective blanket. The chatter dropped to a hush, and a dozen forks darted out as the first plate of sizzling beef was placed on the lazy Susan. Etta was the only one not eating. She wistfully eyed our grease vest as she prodded a wobbly noodle. Just for her, the lynx had prepared an array of steamed vegetables on a bed of rice noodles, surrounded by a moat of soy broth. Beside it, sending up wafts of pungent steam, sat a generous serving of Chinese cabbage. They could have at least given me a few veggie spring rolls, Etta said. The global cultures teacher, Mr Robertson, smiled and said, Rubbish, you're the luckiest kid in the class. You get to try the real deal. With a sigh, Etta twisted a noodle around her fork and popped it into her mouth. We watched and waited, as though we were half expecting it to explode out of her ribcage. Mmm, she said, a little too effusively. Big Manchester leaned in. Can I try some? The next instant, Etta was doling out portions of cabbage and noodle to half the class. Check that motley bunch, I muttered to Danny. They'd eat their own shoes if they thought they were missing out. My fingers, still buzzing, were capturing and delivering little tiny food parcels to my mouth like a hummingbird on nitro. At least I was using my chopsticks properly. Betty Jansen, the local inventor's daughter, had brought along her own motorised pair. They were supposed to close when they sensed food was within reach, but they'd malfunctioned. Betty was trying to find the off switch with one hand, while the other wrestled with the wayward chopsticks as they furiously snapped at anything and anyone in their path. Brian hooted like a sweeping owl. Look! They've turned on her! Sure enough, Betty leaned further and further back in her chair as the chopsticks lunged at her nose like it was a piece of chicken. Several giggles broke out, and soon everyone was laughing. I admit it. I went with the pack. I was cracking up too. But to be fair, even Danny was fighting to keep a straight face. Mr Robbo, he called out. Robbo was standing at the kitchen door, talking with the lings. Now he rushed over, catching Betty's chair just as it toppled. Then he pounced on the chopsticks as they snapped shut. They kicked once against his hand, trying to break free but then he managed to switch them off. Phew, he said, handing the chopsticks back to Betty. Think your dad has a bit of work yet to do on those. 
He smiled at Sean O'Grady, who was sat next to her. What do you think, Sean? Sean didn't respond. His face was a picture of concentration, covered with sweat and soy sauce, the result of several failed attempts with his own non-motorised chopsticks. I watched him with growing interest, as his face grew more and more flushed. And then I did something I'm really not proud of. I nudged Brian. Hey, look, Sean. He, in turn, nudged Etta and Erica. Sean flopped his hair forward and stared at his plate. He drew his fingers upwards, and the chopsticks reluctantly followed, stumbling this way and that. Instead of expertly seizing his spring roll, he chased it around in circles like a whippet following a mechanical bunny. Brian's too loud clap echoed off the walls. Nice one, Bo Grady! The sniggering commenced. Robbo glared at him. But it was no use. After a few times round the plate, Sean gave up. I can't do it while everyone's staring at me, he mumbled, as the chopsticks hit the plate with a clatter. Never mind, Robbo said, his voice overly bright. I'd better go check on that ice cream. No sooner had Robbo disappeared than Brian called out, Oi! B.O. boy! Catch this! A wonton arced beautifully in the air, landing in the middle of Sean's soy sauce, backsplashing in his face. Brian burst out laughing. Sean's mouth trembled. I made the mistake of catching his eye. The hopeful light in his gaze was an ice pick of guilt, straight to the heart. In his mind, even after all this time, we were still friends. Sort your attitude out, Brian, Danny said. He reached over and tapped Sean. You all right, mate? Sean bit his lip and nodded. Robbo returned with our waitress. She was carrying a huge tray filled with little plates of deep-fried ice cream and caramel sauce. Yes! About time, Brian said. Sean was instantly forgotten. But Danny wasn't forgetting anything. Why'd you let him get away with that? He shot me a withering glare. It's not my problem, I said with a sniff. I had to make my own way. So does Sean. I can't fight his battles for him. He deserves better, Danny said quietly. I shrugged. (sighs) I wonder if Brian has any ice cream left. Then I turned to hide the hot flush spreading up my neck. Brian didn't have any ice cream to spare. He'd already polished his off and had resumed firing at the lanterns. Etta, having successfully given away all of her mane, was cheerfully dodging dust speckles while scrounging every last morsel of deep fried ice cream. Erica watched her, a tiny smile playing at her lips. She waited until Etta had scraped the bowl clean, then exclaimed, Oh, Etty, you do know that batter is fried in pig fat. A sickly yellow tide washed over Etta's face. As Robbo geared up for yet more damage control, a waiter came toward our table, bearing a huge silver platter piled high with what appeared to be some sort of fried dumpling. Ah, just in time, Robbo said, one eye on Etta in case she needed to make a run for the loo. Who wants a fortune cookie? The waiter walked to our end of the table and started serving out the cookies with a pair of silver tongs. Ooh, fancy, I said. The waiter inclined his head slightly, then went on to serve Brian and Etta, whose colour was rapidly returning. What are these cooked in? she asked Erica. 
I think they're vegan, Erica replied. Danny raised a dubious eyebrow, then cracked open his cookie. What does yours say? He unfurled the tiny roll of paper. Mine says, a journey through the desert will reveal your true self. Hmm, I wonder what that... But I was only half listening, focused on what my own future had in store. As I glanced down at the piece of paper, my breath caught. Then I screamed. Stop! Stop that man! I leapt from the table, sending a plate and several knives and forks crashing to the ground. The silvery head of the waiter who'd served us was just disappearing through the kitchen swing doors. In my rush to catch him, I almost ran smack bang into Mrs Ling. Where is he? I demanded, craning my neck to peer over her shoulder. Mrs Ling stood with hands on hips, spreading her small frame across the doorway. No customers in kitchen, not even a Jones. I huffed and tried to shuffle round her. Out from the kitchen came Mr Ling, all in a fluster. He stepped protectively in front of Mrs Ling. If I hadn't been in such a tiz, I might have thought it was sweet. Miss Jones, what is all the fuss? Was there something about the meal you did not like? His soft, calm voice was like a bottle of menthol. My head cleared. I sagged against the doorframe, defeated. No, no, it's nothing like that. The waiter, the man who served those cookies. I need to speak with him. The couple wore equally bewildered expressions. Mr Ling turned to Mrs Ling and chatted rapidly in Mandarin. Mrs Ling shook her head and replied in clipped tones. Mr Ling turned to me and said, We do not serve fortune cookies here, Miss Jones. When you mentioned it, I thought maybe Mrs Ling had organised it as a special treat for the class, but she says she knows nothing about it. I stared at the Lings, voiceless, unable to process the sheer insanity of what had just happened, that an imposter had infiltrated the local Chinese restaurant. For what? So they could send me a message via fortune cookie? Suddenly, I remembered I wasn't alone. The lively buzz within the restaurant had powered down to a breathless hush. Thirty pairs of eyes, Mr Robbo's included, fixed hungrily upon the white slip in my hand, the offending cookie fortune. My eyes did the rounds, meaning those of my classmates. The place was silent except for the clink of broken china against cutlery as a waitress swept up my wreckage. Perspiration welled under my fingertips, causing the paper fortune to slide. I tightened my grip. The wild pulse of blood thrummed in my ears, and a little voice inside my head said, Keep it together. I was going to keep it together. I threw my shoulders back and dropped the paper into my pocket, then raised a defiant eyebrow. A collective groan rippled through the restaurant. Someone, possibly Meg Manchester, whispered, She can't do that. That is so unfair. Unfair.